0: The next morning I was at my desk in the office, typing a letter from Wolfe to a Phalaenopsis grower in Illinois, when he came down from the plant rooms at eleven. "'Good morning, Archie,' he said, going around behind his desk and lowering himself into the only chair in New York constructed to properly support his seventh of a ton. "'How did the poker game go last night?' It was his standard Friday morning question. "'Not bad.' I said, swiveling to face him. I came out a few bills on the sunny side. It was a grim night for Lon, though. He's really knocked out by what's going on at the Gazette. Oh, Wolf said, without looking up as he riffled through the mail, which, as usual, I had stacked neatly on his blotter. Yeah, seems the paper is about to be sold. To Ian McLaren. Wolf looked up and raised his eyebrows. Now he was interested. I've seen no report of this in the Gazette or anywhere else. I said the same thing when Lon told me about it last night. He says negotiations have been kept hush-hush by both sides. Wolf scowled. I sympathize with Mr. Cohen. Without doubt he would find it difficult, probably intolerable, to work for a newspaper owned by that miscreant. That's about what he said last night. I told him I couldn't believe he'd walk away after all these years, but... He seems pretty well resolved to do just that. Archie, what do you know about Ian McLaren? Wolf's expression surprised me. It's the one he usually puts on when he's about to take a case. Call it a pout of resignation, accompanied by a sigh that would register on the Richter scale. But, of course, we didn't have a case, let alone a client. Not a lot, I answered. He's Scotch has newspapers in a bunch of cities around the world. London's one, although don't ask me where else. And I think maybe he's in two or three U.S. towns, too. Lon calls him a sleazy scandalmonger. He puts it well, Wolfe said, ringing for beer. Mr. McLaren is an opportunist who indulges in sensationalist and irresponsible journalism and runs his papers solely for profit. Wolfe paused as Fritz Brenner whom you will hear more about later, walked in carrying a tray with two chilled bottles of beer and a glass. This occurrence, which takes place up to six times a day, is as much a part of Wolf's routine as the plant room visits. After Fritz left, Wolf opened one beer, poured, and flipped the bottle cap into his center desk drawer. About once a week he takes them out and counts them, to see if he's gone over his limit, although I've never figured out what that limit is. Ever seen any of McLaren's papers? I asked. No. I only know him by reputation and by what I have read, Wolf said, dabbing his lips with a handkerchief. But the point you're trying to make is well taken. Is there a place nearby that sells out-of-town and foreign papers? Just a few blocks from here, I said. It still amazes me. Even after all the years of living under the same roof with him— that someone whose head is crammed with so much knowledge of history, philosophy, anthropology, food, orchids, and most of the other subjects in the Encyclopedia Britannica can be so ignorant about the city he lives in. But then Nero Wolfe hates to leave the brownstone as much as he detests deviating from his daily schedule. For him, getting into a car, even with me at the wheel, is an act of downright recklessness and when on rare occasions he is forced to venture forth into deepest Manhattan or beyond, he balances his fundament on the edge of the back seat of the Heron sedan he owns and grips the strap as if it were a parachute.